Good morning, everybody. My name is Ben, and today I have the pleasure of reading two verses, or two chapters, sorry, two passages for you. Now, first one is Deuteronomy 32. I'll just give you a few minutes to, or, you know, 30 seconds to find the verse. Um, and I particularly like the second passage we'll read from the New Testament. It's incredibly uh, convicting for myself, but also encouraging, because if it's, if it's put in the Bible then it's something we can aspire to. And, yeah, it's just a great passage. Okay, so Deuteronomy 32, and I just hit the wrong button, and my phone changed. Okay, so it's verse 29, I think. One second. 28, yes. They are a nation without sense. There is no discernment in them. If only they were wise and would understand this and discern what their end will be. How could one man chase a thousand, or two put ten thousand to flight, unless their rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? For their their rock is not like our rock, as even our enemies concede. Their vine comes from the vine of Sodom, and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are filled with poison, and their clusters with bitterness. Their wine is the venom of serpents, the deadly poison of cobras. Have I not kept this in reserve and sealed it in my vaults? It is mine to avenge, I will repay. In due time their foot will slip, their day of disaster is near, and their doom rushes upon them. The Lord will vindicate his people and relent concerning his servants when he sees their strength is gone and no one is left slave or free. And the second passage is Romans 9, I believe, uh, Romans 12, verse 9. And I'll read this one a little bit slower because I think there's so much in there that it helps to reflect on it. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written... It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not become, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thanks, Ben, and good morning again, everyone. It's great to, great to be with you this morning. Great to, great to be able to visit and see what life's like here in, in Paraka. 
Um, I had a, a year 11 chemistry teacher back in the day uh, called Dr. Stoltz. Now, he was a very memorable teacher. There was never a class with Dr. Stoltz that was ever boring. He was the most eccentric teacher you could ever imagine. Happy to put his opinions out there all the time on, on any topic or, or any other teacher for that matter. Um, he'd occasionally throw things like retort stands at, at misbehaving students. He was, he was just real good fun to be around. Um, at the end of the year, I, I dropped chemistry because I was, I was terrible at it. And Dr. Stoltz left the, the school at the same time. And I just assumed I'd never have anything to do with him ever again. Um, but actually, over the last few years, I've reconnected with him a bit lately. Um, spent quite a bit of time together with him as well. Uh, something happened a few years ago that, that transformed my relationship with Dr. Stoltz. I married his daughter. It's um, <laughs> changed the relationship significantly. And, um, and in a similar way, Romans chapter 12 shows us that we can have transformed relationships. Um, relationships that are marked by sincere love. Uh, the first, now I realize we're kind of parachuting into Romans 12 these, these two weeks with Stephen and myself, but the, the first 11 chapters of Romans have set the scene for why these transform relationships are possible. Uh, so the Apostle Paul, who writes the book of Romans, he begins the letter uh, by telling us about the big problem that humans face, uh, what the Bible calls sin. Uh, because of sin, we read that no one is righteous. Um, that is, no one is able to, to live the way that God wants us to live. No one is able to be right with God in their own strength. Uh, because at a deep heart level, we, we want to live for ourselves. We don't treat God the way that we ought to. We, we reject God, which means that we deserve God to reject us as well. Uh, now, that's the bad news. But then comes the good news, that even though none of us are righteous on our own, God has made a way for us to be righteous in his sight. And he's done that by sending his son to die in our place, to take the judgment that we deserve. And, and this is what the Bible calls the gospel message. Now, if I believe this and, and trust in Jesus, it changes who I am. I'm now united with Jesus. So I'm not only acceptable to God, but I'm an adopted child of God through Jesus. Uh, and as you would have heard last week from Stephen, trusting in Jesus means that we become members of a body together. Um, you also would have heard last week how in view of God's mercy that he's shown to us, we, we are to, to live our lives in worship of him. We're to be living sacrifices. Uh, and this, this new identity that we have in Jesus, it, it impacts our relationships. Um, as we as we read Romans 12 just before it, it kind of feels like a bit of a bit of a long list of commands that we have to that we have to obey. Um, but it's actually a beautiful picture of relationships that have been transformed by the righteousness of Jesus. Uh, we read in chapter 12, verse 9, love must be sincere. Uh, so love is to be genuine, it's to be real, it's not an act that we put on, it's not being hypocritical. It's sincere. And this morning, we're going to see what it means to live with sincere love for God, for one another, and even for our enemies. Uh, now, if you're someone here this morning who you've, you've put your trust in Jesus, then, then the question to ask as we look at this passage is, am I letting what I believe about Jesus shape my relationships the way that it ought? 
Now, I don't mean that to, to weigh you down or make you feel like a failure or anything like that, but rather to, to help us to experience the, the joy and the depth of relationships that the gospel makes possible. And if you're here this morning just checking church out, checking out who Jesus is and what, what it's all about, following him, then the question to ask is, do I want the sorts of relationships that this passage describes? Uh, so firstly, sincere love for God. Have a look at verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, Paul writes, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Serving God doesn't come naturally to us at all. So if we rewind and go right back to the start of the book of Romans in chapter 1, Paul paints this really devastating picture about how sin affects our hearts and our lives. Um, He tells us that, that people exchange the truth about God for a lie, that they worship and served created things rather than the creator. And so to serve God shows that a change has taken place in our hearts. Uh, The only way that we can genuinely serve God with this attitude is grasping at a heart level what it is that God has done for us, knowing how much God loves us. Uh, The gospel transforms our relationship with God as, as we understand it more deeply. It brings us joy it brings us vibrancy and it helps us to cling to god in the tough times as well so verse 12 be joyful in hope patient in affliction faithful in prayer now paul was writing to a church that within the next decade or so would be suffering severe persecution there was a a roman emperor called nero who was who was going to put the church through a pretty awful time Paul himself, um, he was no stranger to suffering. He, he en- endured some awful hardships during his life. And all of us are going to suffer at some point in some way in our lives. It, it might be that you're, you're in the middle of a season of it right now. Um, everyone, no matter what worldview we have, we, we want to be able to cling on to hope during those tough times when things are, are just beyond our control. Um, we want to we want to be able to tell ourselves that that everything is going to turn out okay that that everything happens for a reason. But what are we basing that on? The gospel gives us a firm foundation for hope, even in the worst of times, because it tells us how the story ends. And the story ends with us sharing together in Jesus' glory. A glory that is going to make our present sufferings, no matter how bad they are, seem like nothing at all. And not only that, but we have God's promise that he's using everything in our lives, the good and the bad, to to make us more like Jesus. We we read all of this in the book of Romans uh, up to this point. Nothing happens to us by accident. Uh, And so the gospel helps us to, to have a relationship with God that is marked by joy, patience, um, faithfulness, even during trials in life. Uh, So to to live with sincere love for God in all seasons. And now it's important to see that that Paul tells us this right after reminding us in the first part of chapter 12, which, which you would have heard last week, that we're all members together of a body. Um, so God uses the, the support and the encouragement of, of other believers to, to transform me, to make me more like Jesus. Because those, those times when I'm feeling really spiritually dry, when I'm feeling 
hopeless, when I'm, when I'm finding it hard to pray, those are the times when, when I really need the support of my body around me. We're not meant to run this race alone. Um, so it's great that, that you're all here this morning. It's great that you're, you're here on Sunday, part of, part of church together. Um, it's great if you're, you're part of a community group or a, or a youth group or whatever during the week and, and going along there each week um, because being part of a body is, is a big part of how God grows and nurtures us together. Uh, this sincere love for God happens in the context of transform relationships with one another, which brings us to, to our second point, which is sincere love for one another. Um, the, the one anothering kind of life that, that Jesus calls us into is one of sincere love, one that can't be faked. Um, have a look at what this life together looks like. We, we read that we're to be devoted to one another in love, to honor one another above ourselves, to share with the Lord's people who are in need, to practice hospitality, to live in harmony with one another, and to be willing to associate with people of low position. It's a, it's a pretty countercultural community um, where all of these things are the norm. A pretty extraordinary thing to be part of. And, and I say that because I know what I'm like. Like I know that in my heart there's, there's all sorts of greed, envy, pride, selfishness, all, all sorts of ugly things that, that um, make this sort of radical love for one another very unnatural for us. Um, but again, it's the gospel that, that transforms our relationships and, and helps us to, to genuinely love one another in this way. Uh, because if we've trusted Jesus, then, then we'll look at all the other, other, other Christians around us and we'll recognize that, that we are united together in Christ. Um, now, I didn't go to the grand final yesterday. I just um, watched it at home. But I, c- I can imagine like being a, a Geelong supporter or a Sydney supporter and, and walking into the MCG and, and just being surrounded by other people supporting your team as well. Like Daniel's probably d- disappointed he didn't get to go yesterday. But that, um, imagine Daniel walking in there just with thousands of other Geelong supporters around him and you know, completely different people, different walks of life, probably completely different views on political issues and, th- and that sort of thing. But, but it, for those two hours, you are brothers and sisters in that environment. Um, well, even more so with the church. We're part of a body together, brothers and sisters. Jesus died for, for each one of us. We have God's spirit inside us, transforming us day in, day out. And so seeing each other in light of the gospel, it, it helps us to sincerely love one another because it changes the nature of our relationship in a supernatural way. Uh, verse 15, I think, really takes us to the heart of, of this genuine love where we're told to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Now, it sounds like a kind of a nice sort of verse that you might have hung up on your wall somewhere, but it's hard. You, ultimately, you, you can't act that out. You, you can't fake that. Uh, to rejoice with those who rejoice, we, we need a love that's strong enough to overcome our own jealousy. Now, it's easy to be happy for someone who has something that we already have but, or, or something that we don't care about. But when it's something that we desperately want, it's really hard. Um, 
you know, it wasn't a real bear that I had up here, just in case anyone knows there was a baby on, under underneath it. But um, Alicia and I actually lost our first baby during pregnancy, and and I have to say it was it was pretty hard that being happy over the, the the following months for for people who got pregnant. It just seemed like every one of our friends got got pregnant or had a baby over the next couple of months, and it and it was it was really hard wanting exactly that, but but being happy for them at that time. Mourning with those who mourn as well. Well, well for that, we need a, a love that's strong enough to, to overcome our own self-interest, uh, to, to feel what the grieving person is feeling, uh, not just for a few days or, or a few weeks, but, but journeying with them in that grief. I, I can think of so many times I've, I think I've done everything right for someone who's grieving for the, for the first few days and that sort of thing. And, but then I think, oh, what was I doing six months later? Was I still helping them out with that? Um, only sincere love for a, for a person will help us to do that. Um, I want to come back to verse 13 as well a bit and, and focus a bit on the importance of hospitality as well, if I've got the right slide. Actually, no, I don't, don't have that one up there. Disregard. Uh, just try and remember what verse 13 was. Um, because it's, I think in many ways, it's, it, hospitality is an entrance point into so many other expressions of love. Uh, and it's not as daunting as, as we might think. Um, you don't have to be an amazing cook to be hospitable. You don't, you don't have to have a big house. I mean, we had a couple of years where you can only have 10 people in your house anyway, so the house size isn't, isn't the big be-all and end-all. Uh, you don't have to be a raging extrovert either. Hospitality is about sharing life together, creating the space to, to grow this devoted, selfless sincere love for one another. Uh, I hope that, that for you as, you, as you come to church, you, you look forward to hearing a sermon, you, you look forward to singing songs together, but, but I hope it's more than that. I hope you, you come along each week wanting to, to share life together. And not only with, with people that you already know, but, but welcoming newcomers as well. Um, it's amazing how much of an impact hospitality has on people who are visiting a church. I'm sure we can all think whether it's whether it's a, a church setting or a, or a different setting of of a time when we when we've received either a really friendly welcome or a really unfriendly welcome, and it completely changes your perception of the environment. Uh, so whether it's an, an invite to lunch or or chatting to someone and remembering their name the next Sunday, we can all have a big impact on people who come here each week. Uh, Paul tells the Roman church to share with those who are in need. And I take it he's talking firstly about finances. Um, but I think one of the great needs that people have today is community. It's, it's connection, relationships, acceptance. And we want people to, to walk through our doors each Sunday and to receive that. Uh, so we love both our visitors and our, and our regular members alike by, by coming to church with a mindset of hospitality, ready to, to show genuine love to whoever walks through those doors, whoever bring, God brings along. Uh, it's a beautiful picture of church life so far, um, but things get a bit trickier. Sincere love, not just for God, not just for one another, but, but even for our enemies as well, Paul says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Also, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Uh, so Paul's concern here is how we respond to evil. 
do not be overcome by evil, he tells us, but overcome evil with good. How might evil overcome us, do you reckon? I think, it, I think evil overcomes us by causing us to respond with evil. Um, but Paul says to us in Romans chapter 12, there, there's another way. There's another way. Overcoming evil with goodness. Now, I, I don't think I have any enemies in the kind of Harry Potter, Draco Malfoy kind of sense of the, the word, those black and white enemy relationships that you see in books and movies. Um, but I've experienced evil against me at times, and I'm sure we all have at some time or another. I'm, sh- I'm sure there'd be people here who have experienced evil in much worse ways than I have. Maybe you can think of people who are your enemies. They, they genuinely are your enemies. Maybe it's the, the school bully. Maybe it's the, the work colleague who, who mistreats you. Uh, maybe it's someone who has committed a crime or, or abuse against you or, or someone you love. In my limited experience, it is very hard to respond to evil with good. Uh, And I think there's a couple of reasons behind that. Uh, Firstly, it's our natural instinct to to want retribution, to to want to get even with people who who hurt us, to make them pay the cost for for whatever they've put us through. And secondly, responding to evil with goodness, it, it just feels a bit cowardly, doesn't it? This feel, feels a bit weak, like we're just, we're just giving up and, and letting them win. Uh, Alicia and I are renting uh, the house that we're living in at the moment, and we let the grass out the front grow a little bit long over winter. And um, one of our neighbours, instead of just, um, you know, coming and having a chat when they saw us and just, you know, how about, um, how about mowing the lawn a little bit? Might be might be a bit nice. They actually went to the trouble of finding out who our property manager was and putting in a formal complaint to the property manager <laughs> So that the, the property manager then told the owner and, yeah, created a bit more of a headache than it, than it needed to. Now, let's, let's be realistic. That's not evil. That's just, just, just mean. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Feel free to chip in when, whenever I lose my way. It's just a bit mean. Um, but, but it was really hard for me to, to respond to that and, and not have thoughts of, oh, what am I going to do to get back at them for that? Um, love for our enemies isn't going to happen by accident. And again, it's the gospel that allows this transformed relationship, helping us to, to genuinely love our enemies. It's the assurance that God is going to bring about true justice. Uh, in verse 19, Paul quotes from the Old Testament passage that we read, the, the book of Deuteronomy. He, he tells us, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, in the Deuteronomy passage that we read, God was promising that he was going to avenge any evil done to his people by their enemies. Uh, and it's a promise, ultimately, for us as well. We, we can trust God to judge rightly. Uh, Paul quotes another Old Testament passage as well in, in verse 20. He tells us that instead of taking revenge... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's probably one of those verses that needs a bit of an explanation. I've, I've never had burning coals heaped on my head before. I can, can imagine it would be quite a, a painful, distinctive 
kind of sensation. It would have been a good idea for an all-ages spot if I hadn't had the, the bear training idea. Um, but if, if you've ever treated someone badly and, and then had them treat you well in response, you, you'll know that it's, it's quite, a, quite a shameful feeling. And, and I think that's what Paul is getting at here. He's, he's telling us, treat your enemies with such generosity and such love to shame them for the way that they've treated you. Uh, now, this is a, a bigger issue than I'll be able to probably cover here, but I just want to be 100% clear that responding to evil with good doesn't mean submitting yourself to harm or abuse. Uh, now, if you're in a, in a situation like that within, within some sort of relationship or within, within a workplace or whatever it is, um, your immediate safety and well-being is the most important priority at this point. So it's absolutely right to, and appropriate to remove yourself from that situation, to remove anyone else in that situation, and, and, and to seek justice through the appropriate channels as well. Um, that's a you know, bigger issue than I'll, than I'll cover here, but um, I'm sure Scott and Ada would, would love you to, to come and chat with them a bit more, or, or someone else here that you know and trust, if that's the case. Just want to make the point that this, isn't, this passage isn't telling us to, to stay in those situations. Uh, sometimes, though, sadly, we're not going to see that justice happen in the here and now. Uh, and at those times, Jesus is the one who, who shows us um, what it looks like to love our enemies and to trust in God's perfect justice ultimately being done. Uh, we read that when, when Jesus was on the cross, as people hurled their insults at him on the cross, he, he didn't retaliate. And when he suffered, he, he didn't make any threats in response, but instead he, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Uh, Jesus died to save us from being God's enemies. And, and, and so if anything can change the way that we, that we look at our enemies now or the, or the people that mistreat us now, it's knowing that we were once God's enemies, but, but through Jesus, through what he's done for us, if we've trusted in him, then we are no longer God's enemies. Uh, and so the gospel we've seen, it transforms our relationships. It empowers us to, to love God, to love one another, even to love our enemies genuinely and sincerely from the heart. How good would it be for, for everyone who visits Trinity Church Paraka, for everyone who comes here on a Sunday to, to come away thinking, wow, that was a community of extraordinary and sincere love. Well, the great news is that that is more and more who Jesus is transforming us to be each day. Uh, we're going to sing in a moment in response to what we've heard from God's word this morning. Uh, we're going to sing about how we are one in the Father's love. We are, we are found in the risen Son, Jesus. We're bound together by his blood. And so in response to that, let us walk in love together. Let me, let me pray as the, the band comes up to lead us. Loving and gracious God, we, we praise you for your mercy to us. And, and in view of your mercy and by the power of your spirit, please help us to sincerely love you, to love one another, and even to love those who do evil against us. And we pray that our relationships will be truly transformed by the gospel for your glory. Amen.